0: Who isn't intimidated by the Bible? I know I am, but that's not a bad thing. After all, it's the Word of God. In some ways, that should keep us on our toes when we read it. And that's one part of today's interview how to read the Bible. And we give some really good resources here, resources that have helped me a lot in my faith. But I'm also interested in the backstory of the new translation the Augustine Institute has put out of Sacred Scripture. Dr. Mark Gieschek, Associate Professor of Sacred Scripture for the Augustine Institute, is here to walk us through it. This was really interesting to me. Here it is, my conversation with Dr. Mark Gieschek. Hello, doctor. Hey, good morning, John. It's great to be with you. It's good to be with you as well. New Bible translation. Now, when people hear that, they think, wait a second, why does the Bible need to be retranslated?" I've got mine sitting on the shelf, and it's doing just fine.
1: <laughs> well, there are a lot of Bible translations in English, but they do need to be updated over time, mm-hmm. as scholars work, especially on the manuscripts of the New Testament, uh, and even the Old Testament, the Dead Sea Scrolls, and find new readings, new data, and, things start to shift a little bit. So, like, a lot of us have been reading the RSV, Catholic Edition, for years, but that was really translated in the 1940s, around the time of World War II. And at that point, you know, the Dead Sea Scrolls were just being discovered, and, you know, a lot of things that uh, we have learned over the past, you know, 70 years uh, are now able to be incorporated into Bible translation. So this new English Standard Version, the ESV, yeah. uh, incorporates these new uh, discoveries that have happened over the past
0: 70 years. So give me an example of one.
1: Yeah, so, for example, uh, one of my favorites, actually, is in Jude chapter 1, verse 5. And there, if you look in most Bibles, you don't find Jesus. But if you look in the ESV, you find Jesus, who saved the people out of the land of Egypt. And the translators of the ESV looked at all of the textual evidence available, and they, they uh, uh, determined that Jesus was actually really widespread in early ancient manuscripts, uh, and so they included his name in Jude uh, one verse five. There are other examples where the text gets shorter. So if you look in almost any uh, modern Bible uh, for Acts eight thirty seven, it's just not there. And why is that the case? Because before translations were using some later manuscripts that had additions. And in the twentieth nineteenth and twentieth century, we discovered you know some of those additions are really late. They're they're not uh, uh, most original to the textual tradition. And so that verse has even been taken out of the Vatican's official Latin edition, the Novo of all God.
0: This just seems like it would be a decade-long process to do.
1: Yeah. So Bible translations in English, fortunately, tend to be revisions of revisions. So the ESV is a revision of the Revised Standard Version, which was a revision of the Standard Version, which was a revision of the King James Version. So there's a kind of genealogy, if you will, for every Bible translation in English. And in that way, I think it's actually valuable, right? Where a translation like the ESV, uh, on the one hand, it's new, it's fresh, it's different. But on the other hand, it sounds pretty familiar, right? It sounds like Bible that we've heard before because it's preserving a lot of the language and structure that was there in the RSC in these earlier translations.
0: How do you go about getting kind of the stamp of approval on this?
1: It's a pretty complicated process, Yeah, I don't actually. think so. Yeah. And the RSV, like I said, it was first done in the 40s and 50s, and then that's by a group of Protestants. And then it was later approved for Catholic use in the 1960s, 1966. The exact same process happened here with the ESV. It was, a, it originally came out in 2001 from a Protestant publisher named Crossway Books. And then they made a handful of updates over the year, just a, a few minor updates. And then in 2017 uh, and 18, it was reviewed by a team of Catholic scholars in India, sponsored by the uh, Catholic Conference of Bishops in India. And then it was approved by the uh, Bishops' Conference of India in 2018. Uh, and then it was subsequently approved by the Vatican for liturgical use in India. So they're actually reading the ESV Catholic edition at Mass in, in India now. Wow. Uh, so it's a, it's a pretty long process, right, to get from A to Z from start to finish. Um, but we're really happy that that's happened, and now that it's been approved by a bishop's conference, it can be used by English speakers anywhere in the world.
0: Give me the ultimate goal of why, I guess, an institute, institute set out to do this.
1: Yeah. Our goal is to help people read, study, and pray the Bible. Yeah. You know, So we do that in our graduate programs and our Bible studies and a lot of the different things that we do. And we really believe that the ESV is the best translation available right now, the most literal, most accurate, most readable. It's just a really wonderful, elegant translation, and we're so happy to be able to bring it to Catholics in the United States. And we think that this translation is really going to be a major player in Catholic translations moving forward. It was just adopted by the bishops of Scotland for their electionary, and who knows, maybe it will be adopted by other bishops' conferences around the world. So we really wanted to be able to bring that translation uh, to our audience uh, so that so people can read it.
0: Now, are, is this already on sale?
1: It is, yeah. So we first we came out with our very first edition of it in December of last year, and we just came out with a bunch of new editions in leather, hardback, paperback. It's available right now for purchase at our Catholic.Market website and, and wherever books
0: are sold. When did you really grow to fall in love with Sacred Scripture?
1: You know, for me, it really happened early on. You know, as, as a young man, as a teenager, you know, I, I was part of a life team group and youth groups and uh, got into Bible studies then, and I just, I just started to fall in love with the Lord and with theology and with Scripture, and, uh, you know, I ended up studying philosophy and theology at the undergraduate level and then Scripture at the graduate level, and uh, the Lord's really blessed my own, uh, you know, growth through this time. And, and honestly, I started uh, looking at the ESE back in 2005, and I got a copy then, and I've really been using it a lot since then. So, uh, you know, I've, I've become uh, really familiar with this translation, and I've really enjoyed reading it.
0: How does a guy like you, I mean, you've got all the letters after your name here uh, when it comes to uh, sacred scripture and understanding um, theology in this, but how does a guy like you read the Bible? Is it hard for you to kind of get into the mode of prayer with it, because, I mean, there's just so much, it's so rich to study?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think... Probably my own relationship with the Bible is a little more complex than yeah. the average relationship with sure. the Bible, uh, you know, reading it in multiple languages and um, multiple translations and often reading for the sake of teaching. So you're right that uh, it's important for me to kind of get back to basics, you know, and to, and to pray with it and to, to read it simply and humbly and receive it as the Word of God and not just as an ancient, interesting, historical text.
0: Dr. Mark's favorite book of the Bible, and why?
1: Wow. Well, right now I'm working on a commentary on the Wisdom of Solomon. And so right now that's my favorite book. I feel like it's an unsung hero of the Old Testament, uh, really overlooked. But I, I think that the Wisdom of Solomon is kind of like the adapter that holds the Old and New Testament together. Uh, you know, it's written by a, a Hellenistic philosophical Jew in Alexandria. Uh, it's probably the very last book of the Bible to be written, of the Old Testament to be written. And I really feel like it does a great job of summing up the Old Testament and anticipating the new.
0: What's a what's a book? And I don't want to put you on the spot here, but do you know of a book that might be a good place for people to start with sacred scripture besides the Bible itself?
1: Yeah, uh, well, you know, a book that I often use when I teach uh, is is by Tim Gray and Jeff Cavins called "Walking with God," hmm. and it's just a, a really basic walkthrough of the whole Bible. Uh, and it you know it doesn't go over your head, but it really focuses on the narrative books of the Bible and helps you kind of get into reading. The Bible in a kind of salvation historical mode. I think that's a great place to start.
0: Uh, And I know Augustine Institute has a ton of resources to be able to aid us in this. By the way, friends, and and uh, Dr. Tim Gray uh, has just got some really good stuff out there, as well as um, I'm a big fan, of course, of Dr. Peter Kraft, and uh, he's got uh, a phenomenal book. You can understand the Bible. That's been one that's really helped me through. Because you know, I I was one of those guys, you know, early on that said, I'll just stick with the New Testament here. You know, that's what I understand. And uh, when I really started understanding the Old Testament. I mean, it's just like the Bible came alive, man.
1: Yeah, no, it's really powerful when you start to realize, because I think sometimes we, we think, oh, Old Testament bad, New Testament good. Yeah. Jesus sort of gets rid of the Old Testament and gives us something different. And in fact, when you really get, get down into the details, you're, you realize, oh, no, that's not right. No, that's not what's going on at all. In fact, Jesus views himself as interpreting the Old Testament, right, and giving, like, the best and most authentic interpretation of it, love of God, love of neighbor, you know, and, and that that's that's really the heart of the law of the Old Testament. Uh, and I think um, there are a lot of resources that can help us. You know, another great book to recommend is Peter Craig's book uh, called Three Philosophies of Life, where he dives into Job and Ecclesiastes and the Song of Songs. I feel like that's a, a nice short book that kind of gets you deep into uh, a way of thinking about the Old Testament that's uh, really new and powerful.
0: Well, you're doing some great stuff, Doctor. Keep up the great work. So you said you're working on a commentary. Is that next?
1: That's right, yeah. I'm working on it right now on on the uh, the Book of Wisdom for the uh, the Catholic Commentary on Sacred Scripture Series.
0: Well, when you're done with that, you come back on. I want to have you on and, and uh, talk to you about it. Great. Great. All right, brother. Uh, Dr. Mark Giescheck, thanks for coming on, Doctor. Take care. Hey, thanks so much. So there you have it, friends. Yeah, this would be a wonderful translation to both study and use in your prayer. More than anything, we as Catholics should be reading from the Bible every day. I hope those resources given help. Big thanks to Dr. Mark Gieschak, my guest today. Friends, make sure to share this and other episodes of Your Catholic Life on Facebook and Twitter. Reminding your friends to take part in the show, visit com as well. Thanks for tuning in today. I'm John Leonetti, signing off here on Your Catholic Life. Remember, the only way to happiness is by holiness. Be confident in Christ's mercy and His love today.